Well, if you ever did run for office and became president, make a law where schools are abolished. Get rid of schools. Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. What? Get get rid of schools. They are a waste of time. I will not. <laughs> I am not getting rid of no schools. I'll go and reform the uh, education system. To make it uh, more, you know, real life oriented, but I ain't abolishing schools. What are you talking about, sir? Because I be feeling low key though that that schools are just low key prisons for children right now. Though they're not teaching kids how to like them, uh, like them uh, embrace themselves or how to like them, uh, um, uh, like do things that matter. So like, what's the point of schools? That's the boss's fault because she ain't doing nothing. No, ain't nobody doing nothing. I hear. I hear what Daniel's saying, and I understand. I do think there needs to be some reform. I wouldn't abolish schools because I'm telling you right now, I know a lot of children that are not getting the proper education currently at home because parents do not care. Parents are, like, at home chilling with the kids, chilling. They're not getting their work done. But um, I do think that there needs to be some sort of a reform where we can fit in both kinds of um, both kinds of curriculum where you're not just learning math, English, science, social studies like that, but you're also getting an opportunity to explore different things and to be appreciated for the way that you are or think. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen enough either. So well, I, I think do- the main well, well, I think the biggest focus in any school situation, though, I don't think it's like a regular class, though. I think what needs the most care are the special education students, so because they're because the special education classes in America are freaking garbage right now. They're not teaching kids nothing in special education no more, and that's mm-hmm. why I'm saying school needs to be abolished. Because if you're not going to teach these kids anything, then why put them in classes for six hours a day? Are you speaking on your own experience? Yes, because I've been special. I've been in special education my entire life, and I got really nothing to show for it. Though I learned more in my life leaving school than being a part of it. Right. Okay. So then the issue is more so going to be on whatever occurred in your particular situation. Like, what happens is that parents don't advocate. If your parent doesn't advocate, mm-hmm. or if they don't get into school and find out what's going on, then you will become lost. Like. I know one parent who had their child um, who was um, does have autism in a program. If you're not careful, your child will go through a program, and they will not have a high school diploma. They will only have a certificate of attendance. Um, but that is because if you don't have them on a diploma track, then they will not get a diploma. If they're smart enough and have the ability to be on a diploma track, then you got to get in there and you got to get in them teachers behind and principals and whoever else and make sure that your child gets to be on the right path that they need to be on. Otherwise, you are correct. There are situations where children are not getting the best education or best experience. I would say better experiences in special education. Like, for instance, I teach special education. I have children who have autism and other disabilities in my classroom. And um, when we were in school, I would try to do things that were both educational and fun. So, like, during the fall, we bought pumpkins. We cut pumpkins open. Um, Children with autism have sensory issues at times. So I had my students 
touch the, like if they wanted to, you know, I wanted to help them to try, touch what's inside the pumpkin, look at it, smell it, feel it. You know, if you want to taste, taste, like see what it's all about, explore. Well, you're um, a good special education teacher, though, but the ones I've had in, in, in like, in my, um, uh, like um, uh, 11 years of going into every single school and program I was in, the teachers I had did not give the time, the effort to teach me because I learned slow and I do things slower yeah. than all the other kids. So, like, that was my experience growing up. So, and it happened in every single school I went to. Even, even when my mom like... tried to make them teach me stuff, though, and make them like I'm a... Like, like I'm a be patient with my son, though they were not given the time or the day even after she forced them to. I think, and that's an issue. But I think that that again, it goes into like reform, and and I think that in this situation, especially with divorce, I don't think that she. I, I know for sure she has no care for special education. But when we think about how school works and how systems work. Um, and we look at it, if you take, um, starting with, like, your money, when you, when you talk about money going into a program, they're going to go to general ed first, okay? Mm-hmm. And I see it, it's almost disgusting what happens. And, like, you're right, if you don't have a teacher, if, if the teacher isn't going to um, step up, like, step out of the box like in other words a lot of times a special education teacher has to come up with the curriculum we're not given the curriculum or they'll say oh well we ordered the curriculum for the rest of school but you guys have to use the computer copy or we got to make copies for you or whatever mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's really disgusting and so you have to have a teacher that actually cares that's going to step out of the box and actually create something because that's what I've found that I've had to do in my cases with my students in, in certain situations. Um, and, that, and it fluctuates from year to year because I might get a class that's got, that I have higher students. So, therefore, like when I say higher, I mean they are verbal and they can follow along fairly well and they don't necessarily have behaviors. Then I have more, I ha- I'm able to use the general curriculum a little bit more. But if I have a child who doesn't, who isn't as verbal, who doesn't stay in their seat, who has trouble, then I have to meet them in a different way, unfortunately. But that's almost like how the game goes with special education in general. But there are some discrepancies in how things work. It's disgusting. Some of it's disgusting. And then I think you also, if you're going into something like special education, it's almost like when you go into nursing. If you don't care about people, then don't be a teacher. Don't be a nurse. Well, there are way too many nurses who don't care. Huh? Well, majority of them are just kind of, I'm guessing, are in it for the paycheck, though, because I have dealt with, like I said, teachers who don't give a darn. So I'm like, yeah. it's, the, it's the money. That, and that definitely happens. And I think that it is worse on our African-American families. I think it's worse with them. It's worse on both sides, spec Ed and Jen. Now, if I, I need a reminder... <laughs> If I could interject on this, because I um I had like a different experience because in San Antonio it's weird. It's like a city, but you have like little mini cities around the city. It's awkward to kind of explain. But where I'm at, you have Northside Independent School District, which is literally like the monster of the school districts. Mind you, of course, they're in different areas of the cities. 
So, of course, there are different, you know, levels of education or whatnot. But we have programs that are like magnet schools. So I went to a magnet school, which is uh, kind of specialized. It is specialized. However, I still didn't. Now, I received definitely a better education than you would just going into like the general high school or whatever. But still, there was so much missing. And for me, because I'm definitely not a memorize it and then just spill it out on a paper type person. Yeah. I'm more of a person who has to uh, like write the, you tell me about the business plan. Okay, I have to write the business plan, get graded, see how I do. But of course, as we know, school is not like a trial and error. It's a trial and then you get graded and then that's it. So I found myself doing a lot of extracurricular activities. However, with the thing, the thing with that is you okay you have school for eight hours then you do your activities and then I played basketball for a couple years so you have so much going oh plus I worked so it's like you don't really have time to excel at one thing you're always balancing and trying to get you know get it together and then oh by the way you got to get this diploma and you got to get a certain GPA to get scholarships and and that's Lord. where it can become stressful for like either elementary schoolers or even like like high schoolers on top of that too because I also mentioned that too though schools in general though they the statistics say they do put a lot of pressure on our youth. Yeah. And that's why for me though I'm just completely anti school. If I do even have a child in the future though, they're being homeschooled. Period.com. I'm gonna keep them in my bubble. They're gonna learn the true stuff. They're gonna learn the real world. They're not going to get this wa- uh, this whitewashed, watered down bull crap that's in these like American schools. But I mean, when you do that, when you when you do decide to homeschool, make sure that they get to go socialize because exactly. the only thing they have to worry about in situations where thinking about both private and homeschooling is that you don't get the socialization opportunities that you would get in mm-hmm. public schools. Very true. Like dealing with other children, because I think that's what half the problem of the, not half the problem, but that's some of the problems of the world. If you went to a private school and you didn't deal with, say, black people and everybody mm-hmm. in that private school was white and you never had to deal with black people, when you come out of the school, well, then you're not going to be able to deal with black people. You're not going to understand the situation. Or even on the other side, even if you were a black person and you went to a private school and it was all white people there, and then you meet other black people, and it's like culture shock because that's not where you, you know, had been attending or, you know, knowledge of. So either way, you could get screwed. You know, it's all in, like, Eli, huh? You know, I said, you know, it's funny, Danielle, like, even though I didn't go, I went to a public school, but the way that my city is set, and you can take this on a larger scale, like, even just demographic, because my city is majority um, Hispanic, and Uh there's definitely more whites and every other race than blacks, so when I started to talk to a lot of other black people from places such as Georgia and uh, Ohio it's a lot different. <laughs> so yeah. I, it's a culture shock to me because I'm trying to be like, dang, you know, I'm pro-black and everything. However, there's so much more that I need to learn and I need to be a little bit more immersed in my community while holding on to my values. So right, it's, right. it's on a large scale. And I mean, and, and the thing about it is, is like you can hold on to your values, but you can also 
open your eyes to certain things. And if some mm-hmm. of your values don't make sense to like what your eyes are open to, you can also mm-hmm. be open to kind of change those ideas. But yep. um, it does, it definitely, you know, I would say like, I went to a school, I mean, I would say that my district is probably more black. As a matter of fact, in my district, I think that the way my city is set up, they have zoned it a certain way so that certain neighborhoods go to the other school district mm-hmm. and certain neighborhoods go to my district. And so my district gets like some of the not so great neighborhoods where the kids are allegedly not that great of kids or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so so I went through the same district. I worked for this district and I also went through this district when I was, I went, actually went through both districts, but majority of my time, I graduated out of the current district that I worked for. And I, and then I went to an all black, I went to a historical black college. And um, I don't think, I don't want to call it culture shock per se, because even though I went to my school was more so, where more black kids were going to go. I also was a band geek and in AP classes. And if you know anything about the way statistics work, you know that I probably was one of three black kids in those AP classes. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and then going to a school where like, and when you're in that kind of a situation, you have to be careful because when you're the, you know, one of three black kids in an AP class, and then you go to, uh, a black school and everybody is black and everybody is was also in AP classes, then it's like a different kind of com- competition. You know, it's like, wait a minute, like we're all the same and like how do you stand out? Or, hello? I know. I think my head, my phones are going to die. Well, while she's getting situated, I'm just going to say, because we didn't, you know, do a little intro, uh, welcome all my listeners. Again, the squad is together again, and we were kind of just talking about just the education system from a um, special ed education standpoint, as well as general, and we're just going to jump into some topics and have a little fun. All right. (laughs) It's going to be interesting one, people. Very interesting. So should I jump in now? Do you want to wait for Danielle to come back? Uh, whatever works. I guess, you know what? I guess we should just jump in right now. We waited long enough. But anyway, I guess on the last session, I don't know if our listeners are keeping up with the sessions, though. I took over the topic yesterday, so I'm doing it again today, though. But, like, today we're going to talk about the murder of uh, George Floyd and, like, the, the huge controversy, the Black Lives Matter stuff, the protests have literally consumed the, the United States. I've never seen nothing on this scale before in my 20-something years of um, living in this world. And I've seen and I've seen cases like the Tamir Rice's and like um, uh, and the Oscar Grants and the Mike Browns, but I've never seen mm-hmm. the scale of this level. And and people are wondering why is that is Oh, hold on, Danielle just the us on face on whoops. 
Oh, Eli, I see this finally drop in. Oh, I was, I've been in here for like six minutes. Um, why didn't you say anything? <laughs> I guess he ain't yeah, I was talking, I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> okay. I think I, can y'all hear me now? Yeah, we yeah, can. We can. Yeah, we can. <laughs> All right, keep going. All right, but anyway, though, like I was saying, like, y'all just dropped in now, though, but, like, I'm basically, we're talking about the murder of George Floyd controversy, why people are, like, protesting nothing enough and things like that. But for me, but for me, what's pretty, like, I'm uh, weird about this, though, is because there's a race war going on, though, people saying Black Lives Matter and enough is enough, and, like, we got to fight for the justice of George Floyd. But me personally, though, it took the murder of George Floyd for people to take Black Lives Matter seriously. Black Lives Matter should have always mattered to begin with, to, to, to be honest, right? But then, like, nobody was, con- nobody was uh, mad or concerned when Sandra Blunt was killed or Oscar Grant or Tamir Rice or Mike Brown, but but the race when- war sparked when um, uh, George Floyd was killed. And that's just kind of, like, it's, it's making me, like, rub my conspiracy hat a little bit on that. I'm like, something's really odd about this. Okay, so I think the issue is is that when all of those things happened previously all the different cases that we saw previously were not as blunt and in your face as George Floyd in other words like he was George Floyd was doing everything that he was supposed to do he was in compliance he went with them he was um, already in handcuffs he was doing everything that he was supposed to do and that man put his knee in his neck anyway like he wasn't even struggling you're supposed to when when someone stru- when someone is being arrested and there are there's protocol and what you're supposed to do so if you're being arrested and you've complied and you've put your hands behind your back the only yeah. the next step should be that you get in the car and go to the police station and everything should be okay but mm-hmm. what happened was he was murdered for basically by these police officers. I'm not going to say for enough. I mean, they. I think they made a wrong choice. And, I, and they were led on by someone who had had issues throughout his police career. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was, because it was recorded, and so many people saw... I think that's what opened our eyes. It wasn't necessarily the black community. Black community been knew that this stuff was going on. We were outraged when it was Sandra Bland. We were outraged when it was all those different people. But I think the issue is, is we didn't have enough allies to back us to keep it moving and to keep pressing on for it. When white folks saw this, it was like, oh, wait a minute. This is for real? You mean what they've been saying to us all along is true? That there is a privilege here because you have to understand that some white folks really didn't understand the privilege at all. Like I, I'm so happy and proud that I have a friend um, mm-hmm. that's into my K-pop stuff with me. And when everything went down, let me tell you how, like I was so um, like, I didn't even know what to do when it all happened. When it all happened, I was, I was just shocked and didn't know what to do. And my friend sends me a message and she was just like, I recognize my privilege because she's white. She's Mm -hmm. like, I recognize my privilege. What can I do? Like, is there anything that I can do to help you? 
And I was like, at first, I'm just like, I don't, I don't even know because like, what, what do you like? I was just lost. And then when I started seeing like other people post things about what our allies can do and stuff like that, I let her know what she could do. And she started doing it immediately, like posting and bringing awareness and talking to other people and talking to other white people and making sure that everybody understands that this is a thing that's going on. And I think that's the difference and why it went off the way that it went off. I don't think that there was a, I don't necessarily believe in a conspiracy or anything that goes along with it. I definitely think that this was just so blatant that white people had no, they had no other reason to, to pretend like it wasn't happening. Well, I think so many cases when white people can like, let it slip under the rug and we ignore it. But I have some other thoughts about that. I'm going to let you go ahead. Well, 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 my thing is, but because like, I know for a fact though, they, they know the stuff that goes on in our communities. They know the police is targeting people of my skin color though but then they but then they were just like hey it's not getting big or huge like many times so let's not say nothing or like post anything or bring awareness to it at the moment though because this stuff has been happening has been happening literally for decades probably centuries though because my mom my mom was in the night my mom and my dad were living in the 90s when uh, uh what you call him rocky king got bopped upside the head though so i'm like they know this stuff happens though it's been going on for years but like so, but it, it took this guy being strangled for them to say something about it, though. So, like, it's it's just for me, though, something's just not it's just not clicking. It's not sitting well right with me in my speech. right. For I me. feel you, and I, and there are some. I think that there are definitely some people, some white people. Well, we know there are white people that know their privilege because that's that situation with the lady that was in the park and decided to call the police. Well, she what she said was, "I'm gonna call the police and let them know that." I'm african-american man Mm -hmm. is bothering me so she knew Mm -hmm. she she knew what she was doing exactly but i do i know that there are people who live in communities outside of black communities they they live in a white community and they have they don't really understand or know that it's a privilege they there are times where you have to stop and actually explain to people like i've worked with people who don't even recognize i mean damn like just thinking about when I was um, going through school for teaching, mm-hmm. one of the things that they would teach us and, and it, you know, everybody don't take on everything that's told. What I mean by that is, so what they would teach us was that you have to be understanding of different cultures. One of the biggest thing they would say was to be sensitive of other cultures as far as like say Asians. So if you have a student and they won't look you in the eye in America, we look each other in the eye that shows like respect or whatever. But yeah. in mm-hmm. Asian countries, you don't look an adult in the eye or somebody that's older than you in the eye, you look down. So that's one of the main examples that they used to use. But there are other factors that people need to be aware of that you're supposed to be sensitive to social economic situations you're supposed to be sensitive to. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, is that some people listen and take and understand those things and some people it goes in one ear and out the other because it's not their problem and i think that that is what happens some of the time i think no it happens not some of the times it happens a lot of times though because white people have been ignoring our problems for decades now and and they they look at us and say it's like nothing's wrong with your community if y'all can't make the same moves i'm making it's because you're lazy so stop saying 
the world is wrong because of what we're doing, though. Just look, take a look at yourself, which in some ways it could be true, and in some ways it cannot be true. But they've been blatantly ignoring our problems for decades. And like, and I, I feel like they're still ignoring our, ignoring our problems, too, because we, we don't just need like a, a few white people out there protesting, though. We need, as a matter of fact, every single white person, because they, they make a majority of the country, though. We need every single one of them out there getting the message out there. They, they, they got to stop their jobs. Stop sipping tea with their rich friends, though, and put in, in, in help and help and really help America grow. You'll never get it. You'll never get that. And the thing yeah. is, is it's not. See, the I think the white Americans that are out and able to listen and talk and understand are definitely the more educated ones. I think that there are a lot of undereducated that are out there and they are high key rates. There's enough. OK, let me just get real. OK, because I took a class called black political theory i believe it was and it got real deep and the one thing that we all have to know and understand about the white european situation the mentality they came up in a world of it's your divine right i don't know if you looked at my stories today on instagram daniel but i explained that they have this divine right mentality when i say that i mean like okay when you look at a king in europe Mm -hmm. you have to know that the king in europe and actually russia Mm -hmm. were thought to be like god it was their birthright but not just their birthright it was also their divine right like as if god had placed them on the throne to be the king what so you think some of them still got that mentality? Oh, see, it's just like it's just like this mentality is just like what because if you well, there have been some reports about slavery and how slavery, even though it is four hundred years removed from our lives, is there are still some things that have happened that are psychologically embedded in us because of slavery. And so I think that there are some things that are embedded in white people that they don't really know because it's a psychological situation. And that's why, because please know the way it works, the hierarchy would be God, the white man, the white woman. Oh, hold on. Hold on. One second, hold on. Give me one second. My mom is going to Hold on. Okay. All right. I think it's funny that um, you see civilians out here, but you don't really, you still don't see politicians doing nothing on the right or the left. So politicians, well, I'm going to. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. I did see that there were politicians um, in um, uh, Minneapolis where there were some African-American politicians that were out and and they had been in the community and working alongside um, a lot but you have to understand politicians they they're inside trying to work trying to talk trying to do the things on in the office and in the capitol buildings but it's a waste of time i think that i wish i could believe i really wish i could believe that though you know what i mean because they publicize everything else but when it comes to issues such as this they're quiet 
oh, there's no, you know, they don't, don't know. talk about oh, you guys watch, I mean, I that could be on the white man's payroll, I, unless I it's on C-SPAN. Listen, listen. I know y'all. I know that y'all don't necessarily watch the news, but like I keep the news on all day, every day, and there are a lot of, especially mayors. Mayors have really been stepping their game up across this country for trying oh, yeah, to get their cities, you know, to get their cities in order. And I think it definitely starts there, because right now, unfortunately, the way the government is set up, nothing can be done because we have someone that's in office that kind of helps to stop things so you know um between that and the fact that i think they're in um our congress i think is um in a taking a break it's i forget what the word is i'm sorry uh, the word is out of my but they're Recess. not in they're not in session right now but they're soon to be getting back in session but then you also have to recognize how stuff works so in other words when it's a law or something and i mean and it's tricky and i understand why people might think that stuff isn't working for them it takes time and you can the city can do what they want and and pray that the city can get get stuff done so that means that the mayor is gonna do it and the mayors and things from what i understand like i know in new york they they took away that chokehold um, thing from the police, whatever that mm-hmm. rule was. They made it mm-hmm. against the law. And then there's been other situations where mayors have, you know, tried to pull some reform for their cities. The issue is, is then you have a governor. Yeah. Then you have a senator. Then you have a representative. You know, you have all of these, this, this hierarchy of how it works. And then you have to write letters. And then they write and a law. And when you write a law. Into. When you write a law, they have to vote on the law. And if they mm-hmm. vote on the law, it's got to be a specific way. So, like, yeah. you might, like, for instance, when we were, when, when they were doing the stimulus check, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. They had to write out the bill or law or however they wanted to do the stimulus. And then if, and then it passed from the House and it went to the um, Senate. Senate. And then the Senate is like, okay, we don't like this word. Take that word out or whatever. Yep. Then it's got to go back through. Back so, that's how that kind of works with that. The only thing that I say that I find interesting about all of it is the way we worked COVID. So if you can tell us to stay home like that, like right now, shut down everything. Mm-hmm. It's against the law for y'all to be doing X, Y, Z. Don't go there, you know. But mm-hmm. then when it comes to us saying lock him up because he murdered Breonna Taylor and you can't get that done. That's where the discrepancy comes in. So that's where I can understand why y'all would be angry about stuff like that. But I mean, you look at the stimulus check though. When they were working through that stimulus check, they were letting you know, stimulus check bill, such and such and such, this much money. Um, This is what it's looking like. You know what I mean? So when it comes to situations such as that, I guess you could say we, um, I wouldn't say expect, but we low-key expect for bills that are going forth that are relevant, if I may, relevant to the situation to be more transparent. I took a legislative uh, um, legislative class. So, you know, I understand, you know, the law process, how it goes. I mean, we had to make our own laws and we had to get it passed. And 
talk about resolutions and mm-hmm. you know all those types of different stuff so that's understandable it's just the transparency right now I mean right. it's good that Nancy Pelosi put on a scarf and got down on her knees and had to help have the intern come help her up that's fine and dandy but when <laughs> it comes to the legislative process it's like y'all sure can push out a stimulus bill but more you know than you can I, try to advocate you know what I mean yeah I totally understand but you know what's crazy about the whole thing though is it doesn't really to me it don't make a difference what kind of law they push. You can push a this, that law, whatever. People ain't going to follow it. The th- Exactly. Because at the end of the day, systemic racism is not just like, oh, they made law. Like, for instance, part of systemic racism is redlining. That's marking mm-hmm. up a territory and saying, okay, y'all can live here, but y'all can't live here. Basically, it left black people out. They couldn't do it. Systemic racism is deep-rooted, again, back into the psychology of the white man. So until, the, um, until we can find a way to break through the white man's heart <clears throat> and mind, you're always going to be left with this issue. We've seen it time and time again <clears throat> from the beginning of time. When I mean, I'm not say the beginning of time. I'm going to say the beginning of the United States. When they would come here... They've got slaves. Okay, now we need to make this constitution, this bill of rights. Well, are we going to let the black folks that we brought here be free? No, we need them to build the country. Okay, so how do we write them in the constitution? Because they still people. Oh, oh, we want to call the people now. Okay, it's just like I said last time. It was to provide the white man with something. They had to win out of it. I know, because even in the... um. Uh... In, in the American guidelines, I was looking up some old quotes, though, but even like this quote that's just as old as what's like I'm a 2009. I know that seems like a long time ago, though, but just like it's it, it, it is kind of very recently, though, it's just about a decade. That's how I look at it, though. But anyway, though, it stated that I'm a black people are we're second people we're not actually citizens we're just residents in america though white and, and it said like white people are citizens and like black people were just residents for so like they don't want to call us like 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 citizens like we belong in this country because we don't belong here so they're, they're going to cheat and say they're just residents we, we don't want to say they're citizens like how you know what i'm saying now i gotta um i have a statement and really a question so, like I said, I didn't really grow up in a um, predominantly black area, and um, I really didn't interact with black people like that. And so my views on things such as systemic racism and prejudices are, it, they're very different than, say, like, um, I have some friends from Georgia. So they're very, very, very different. Because for me... Well, you're lucky. I can't, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm lucky, but they. I tend to clash with people because I'm not. I understand that racism is there, but I'm very much an optimist, and I. No, I don't really compare where my standing to someone else's, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? First of all, I'm glad that you're an optimist. I'm glad that you have hope in this world to become something better or to have or have an optimistic view that maybe a white person does not have the prejudice that they have. But, you know, and I can say that I'm pretty much the same kind of situation. Um, I grew up 
I in a neighborhood that people would call my, I tell I put it to you like this. When I was growing up in um school, someone asked me where are you from and I told or where do you live and I told them and they said, "Oh, you live with the rich white people." Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking to myself, um like, but I'm not necessarily rich. I'm we're middle class. We're mm-hmm. we're doing okay, you know. But that's what that was looked at. That was like, "Oh, you live with the rich white people." And I mean, I I do. I mean, that's not I'm not going to I can't really sugarcoat it the people that are around me i there's i can see a golf course from my house mm-hmm. i'm no i'm not rich i'm not poor but i'm not rich you know what i'm saying i'm making yeah. it we've seen ups and downs mm-hmm. and the but on the flip side like i do recognize my privilege that i had but then i also have cousins and i have family that have lived in other situations and do not live in the same kind of condition and have been on different circumstances, you know, food stamps or welfare or all those other different things. So I've also seen that to go along with it. So I do know, like, and I mean, and what am I kidding? Like, I can't even pretend. When I graduated from school, I didn't get a job immediately. So I was on Medicaid. Like, I was on uh, state benefit. You know, like, they was giving mm-hmm. me medical insurance. Yeah. So like I get it. And the thing is is and, and the way that it works is if you make a certain amount, like you can't get it and it can be like just a yeah. smidgen over. And yeah. that's the kind of stuff that they're talking about. Like that's the kind of thing that I I see. Well then now, the main Oh oh sorry, you go, Daniel. I'm sorry, Dan. So basically it's kind of I feel like I understand exactly what you're saying, and it's almost like white privilege but it's not yeah white privilege, but it's still a privilege well because exactly because we were supposed we were going to talk about the whole colorism thing i'm high yellow it, it has been a thing it has been a topic in my in my life mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and like when i was younger i didn't understand because to me in the way that i grew up i was black my mom never told me anything different my yes my grandmother is white so i am 25 percent white but i've never been mixed in my life i've only been black mm-hmm. and that's what i say and so when other little girls didn't want to be my friend for whatever reason and they never explained or whatever i did not get it i could not that did not make sense to me and then as time progressed and I realized what the issue was, then it made me feel some kind of way towards them. Like, okay, well, you you just start feeling some kind of way. And so it's taken me like, I mean, to a point where I almost was like, if dudes would tell me that they like me because I'm light skinned, I would be disgusted with them because I'm like, okay, no, like you need to like chocolate sisters. Like, like <laughs> No, because that happens because we are in a European colonized world because all that stems back from the slavery days. Though, it really like, does. Yes, because really like if does. you were light skinned or like a mix of black and white, though, looking like really pale skin, though, they will put you in the house, though. All the white people yeah. will love you. And the then like the oh, oh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, I feel you on that. That is the truth. That is exactly where it stems from. I was... Again. With the, with the statistics that are shown, though, that a lot of dark-skinned black women, and even a lot of dark-skinned black guys, are born hating themselves. I'm like, they're born about yes. the time they're like like four or five years old. Though they look in the mirror and, and be like, "I see a monster. I'm ugly." And all that comes from because we are in a European colonized world. It's That's so bad. It's so bad. 
it's really bad. But then you got um, black folks, you, you you got young teenage black people thinking light skin and dark skin is a different race now or something like that. Listen, when it, when little children like I've had kids, I've had kids like say, I want to be like you, Miss Daniel, or I want when I say be like me, they like look like you or you know and I'm just like no honey you need to love yourself you are beautiful like that's why I'm a teacher because I'm going to go to those little black kids and I'm going to say the things that other black teachers and white teachers are not saying to these children to try to build them up because it does Mm -hmm. not make sense I do not want I hate the fact that there are darker complected children that don't love themselves because of whatever mentality we have in this society Mm-hmm. And that there, and I would, and I don't want them to go and have issues with some light skinned child because of that situation either. And I don't want light skinned children to think they're better because they're not. Light skinned or dark skinned, African American. 